Welcome to the Valley Church. Our mission is to see changed lives, and we hope this relevant teaching inspires you to take the next step in your journey. Thanks for checking out the podcast and enjoy the message. Good morning. It is great to be with you. Um, I preach better when I get response of amens or head nods or smiles or something. So if I don't preach well, it's your fault, not mine. I'm just kidding. Would you, uh, would you just pray with me real quick? Father, um, God, this moment is, is important. This moment matters in our lives. And Lord, I do not take this, I don't take this moment light me, lightly, and may none of us, Father, for we are hearing from your word. And you're wanting, Father God, for us to be the canvas, for us to be the clay, and for you to be the artist and the potter. So, Father, have your way with us as we get into this topic of family conflict. Minister today, and may I not get in the way of what it is you want to do and say, and Father, how you want to change each and every one of us, including me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for being with us today. Um, You're going to like the first few things I say, possibly. That is this. Family can be messy. Um, parenting is hard, and conflict happens in all families. So you are not alone. You are not, you know, different. It happens in all families, even in loving families, even in, in, in Christian homes and things, there are disagreements, there are arguments, there are people who, who sometimes rub other people the wrong way. With brothers and sisters, with siblings, we see that, that they don't share sometimes. We see that they pick on each other. We see that, that not only that, but they yell at each other. And occasionally, they may even fight. Amen? That's how it happens. But then you have extended family. We start talking about extended family. You may have some certain people in mind that, that you're just like, mm, man, they, you know, <laughs> they... Uh, they start rumors, maybe. They, uh, they experience and, 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 and express jealousy within the family as a whole. They, they maybe even try to divide the family sometimes. You know, my wife and I, concerning extended family, when we just made a pact between us that when our kids did something that were weird, was weird or not good, we would not say, well, that came from you or from me. We would say, that came from some other extended family member. <laughs> And stuff. So that's kind of how we treated them. <laughs> Husbands and wives, okay? I mean, you disagree sometimes. Of course you do. You're different people. But you also sometimes have words that, that are not kind. Sometimes you argue with one another. And sometimes, you know, there's bitterness that can even take root within, within between a relationship of a husband and wife. And, and if you're not careful, that can begin to cause other kinds of problems. Listen, family conflict is not new. It is not new. As a matter of fact, it started with the first family, and I'm not talking about the presidential family, all right? I am talking about the very first family of Adam and Eve. And after they had disobeyed God and sin entered into the world, they had some children, and listen to what happened from Genesis 4.8. And while they were in the field, talking about Cain, he attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Killed him. 
Now there's conflict immediately within the family, and it happens partly because of sin. You see, today, many families, and I hope you don't have murder within your family, but a lot of families are destroying one another. A lot of families are hurting one another with with cruel words, with with neglect, and with anger, and with, with disrespect, and with pride, and jealousy, and gossip, and lies, and bitterness. So we're going to dig into two things today. First of all, what causes conflict? Because you, you can't understand, you can't understand how to deal with conflict until you begin to understand what is causing the conflict. So first, we're going to try to understand what causes conflict. The first one, and by far the most important one, is a disobedience to God. Listen, it is sin in our lives that causes conflict. And, and specifically, we'll get into one aspect that really causes a lot of it. You see, whenever we sin, it causes not only a struggle and a strain and, and, and things between us and God, our maker, our creator, but it also causes conflict with other people. And especially other people who are close to us. You see, when we're close, when we, are, when we get into, in, in, into a conversation with people that we know the most, or we get around within our own family and in our own household and things, we think we can just let our hair down and we can just be whoever we, we want to be. And, and they see a side of us that other people, we don't really show other people. You see, it causes conflict between us and God, but it also causes conflict between us and people. Sin does. Let me talk to you about a few sins that result in conflict. The first one is pride. Pride. Scripture says this, pride leads to arguments. Pride leads to arguments. Pride, pride is, a simply, is simply a, an, an oversized self-esteem problem. Notice the first word of that, self-esteem. You see, it's People who are prideful are, are all about themselves. People who are prideful, they think they know it all. They think they're going to win every argument. And they, 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 they begin to overvalue themselves. And instead of finding their identity in Christ, they're finding their identity in self. And that becomes a major problem in people's lives. Not only pride, but jealousy also can cause conflict. Jealousy. Jealousy brings conflict. In Genesis 3, in Genesis, the, the whole book, you see at least three families that there is major conflict because of jealousy. We already talked about one of them, Cain and Abel, but also Esau and Jacob. And not only Esau and Jacob, but also Joseph and his many brothers. You see a lot of conflict happening because of jealousy. This is what Scripture says. Anger is cruel, the, the, and wrath is like a flood, but jealousy? Jealousy is even more dangerous. Now, if you would have told me those words, anger and wrath and jealousy, I would have put jealousy last as far as emphasis. The Bible says jealousy is even more dangerous, so we need to pay attention to it 
when it's in our lives. Scripture says this in James 3.16, For where you have envy, which is another form of jealousy, and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every kind of evil practice. You find disorder. You find conflict. Pride, jealousy, but also another sin that causes major conflict is selfishness. We've already heard about selfishness a little bit through a major emphasis on self-esteem through pride and through jealousy. It can be a sense of jealousness, I mean uh, selfishness as well. But selfishness as, as it is, listen to what scripture says. What causes fights? What causes fights and quarrels and conflict among you? You want to know what causes conflict? The Bible tells us very directly. It says they are caused by the, what's the next two words? Selfish desires that are continually at war within us. Keep all that in mind as we begin in a moment to talk about how to deal with conflict. There's a couple more things that cause conflict that I want to address. One of them is misplaced priorities. I'm sure Mark covered it. I got to preach in Piqua last week on the family calendar, and I'm sure Mark preached the same kind of message on, uh, on just priorities. When it comes to calendaring, listen, when it comes to priorities, if you've got them misplaced, if you are putting yourself first, or if you are putting work first, or if you are putting hobbies first, it's going to cause conflict. Your priorities need to be right. Scripture says this in Deuteronomy, as well as it's one of the two greatest commandments. It says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. When you have misplaced priorities and God's not first and family's not second, you're going to have conflict. Thirdly, what causes conflict? The love of money. The love of money or the desire of money over other things. Statistics say that four out of ten divorces happen because of a conflict and because of a dispute about money. How it's spent, how it's gained, the importance of it, and everything else. Scripture says this in 1 Timothy 6, 8. Those who want to get rich, they fall into a trap of temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. How many of you want ruin and destruction? How many of you want major conflict in your life? If you do... Scripture tells you how to do it. Go chase money. And another way of saying that is, go chase things. Because in order to get things, you have to be hungry towards money. A family, a healthy family, okay, is a, fa- is a family of peace. It's a family of, that, that has joy in it. it it's, it's a family that, that demonstrates and, and has love. A healthy family is not necessarily one with stuff, okay? Sometimes we're pursuing the wrong things. Sometimes we're putting the wrong thing as the priority. Sometimes we're chasing the thing that's going to cause the most destruction rather than bring about the most peace. So even though 
you didn't get to choose your family, okay? Maybe if you were adopted, maybe you did a little bit in some way, but who here really got to choose their family? I mean, you're born and that's your parents. And then they have children or they already had other children. And guess what? That's your brother and sister. And then those are your uncles and, 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 and aunts and so forth, right? We don't get to choose our family, but please hear this. You and I do get to choose how we handle conflict and disagreements. We get to choose that. Do you know what a lot of people do? A lot of people try to ignore conflict, or they try to run away from it, or they try to bury their head in the sand, because you know why they do that? Because they think, you know what, that's the only way that it's going to be handled, and if I just pretend like it's not there, if I just forget it, if I just go about my day and pretend like that conflict, that argument, that discussion that created chaos never happened, well then guess what? We'll just keep the peace that way. When in reality, we're not ignoring anything. It's still there. It's still creating a problem. It's still creating a wedge between people. So instead of handling it that way, there is a better way. And a better way is God's way, the biblical way of handling conflict. Listen, when you begin doing that, Okay, I'm not talking about escalating arguments. I'm not talking about making sure you win. I'm not talking about being the loudest one. I'm talking about handling things the way God wants us to handle them. Conflict will begin to be resolved and dealt with and peace can come into relationships and families rather than conflict, ruin, and destruction. And that's what's happening in a lot of families. So how do we handle conflict in a biblical way? First of all, and most important by far, because it deals with the first reason there is conflict. The first thing you need to do is surrender your life to Christ. Surrender your life to Christ. There's a scripture, it's not in your outline or anything, but 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the old has gone and the new has come. Now to break that down even further, and I don't have time to get into it very deeply at all, and I don't even have time to read it, but there is a, there's a passage, there's some passages of scripture in the book of Galatians in chapter 5, it's verses 16 through 26. And it starts talking about walking according to the way of the sinful nature, the way that we were born into, our selfishness, walking in that manner, and what kinds of things that kind of walk brings, or walking according to the Spirit, according to allowing what, who Christ is in you, the Spirit of God in you, and walking according to His Spirit, not according to your own sinful nature. Because with your own sinful nature, all it does is bring conflict, confusion, strife, and all kinds of other sin like jealousy and pride that we've talked about. 
But when we walk according to the Spirit, when we, when we unite with Christ, as, as the book of John in chapter 15 talks about Him being the vine and us being the branches and allowing Him to prune a little bit and allowing fruit to grow, in Galatians 5, chapters, verses 22 and 23, it talks about love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. Do you have conflict with those kinds of things? Not near as often. But when you live the selfishness, when you live according to the ways of the sinful nature, when you live the way you want to, you will have all kinds of conflict. Listen, If you've never turned your life over to Christ, if you've never said yes to Jesus, if you've never said, I need you, I need you to forgive me of my sin, today may be the day for that to happen. And I encourage you to have a conversation with me. I'll be standing at the doors as you exit. Have a conversation with Pastor Mark or somebody else that you know can help you understand what that step looks like. Because without that step, you don't win here. Every battle is won because of Christ. If you've already turned your life over to Christ, I would encourage you to stay connected to the vine. Stay connected to Jesus. Be walking according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. Because it's then that you'll begin to find victory and you'll begin to find so much more peace compared to the family conflict that just happens over and over and over. Surrender your life to Christ. Secondly, pray and seek wisdom. Pray continually for your family. Ask God for wisdom in peaceful times as well in times of conflict. Scripture says this in James 1.5 from the Today's Living Bible. If you want to know what God wants you to do, ask Him. Is that hard? Hey, God, this is what I need. This is where I'm at. This is what's happening in my life. And he will gladly tell you, Scripture says. So you go to God and you say, God, I just had this argument with my wife. God, what am I to do? God, I've got this conflict right now with my kids. God, I've got this conflict with my mother, with my father. God, I've got this conflict going on in my life. God, what should I do? When we pray and when we seek his wisdom, the scripture tells us clearly he will answer Now, this is the thing. A lot of times, we don't like the answer. So we got to be willing, if we're going to ask, we got to be willing to say yes. Because the answer might be, say, I'm sorry. The answer might be, forgive. The answer might be, Just shut up and listen. The answer might be, 
You've been way too selfish. Seek and pray. Thirdly, examine yourself. Examine yourself. Be willing to look in the mirror. Scripture says this in Psalms 22, 25 too. Test me, Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind. Colossians 3, 8 says you must rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Take responsibility. Be willing to say, you know what? Some of this, all of this, a part of this, it's, it's on me. When's, you see, we don't, we don't want to do that. We want to point the finger at the other person. We want to point the finger at the situation. And we don't want to say, you know what? There's some things I need to change. There's some things God's trying to do in me, and I'm just not allowing him to do it. And because of that, there's still conflict where there shouldn't be. We've got to be willing to say, hey, I, I said some things that weren't right. I've done some things that weren't good. We've got to be willing to realize, I messed up. Examine yourself. Fourth, forgive. You see, you cannot be right with God when you're not right with other people. This is what Scripture says in 1 John 4.20. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother and sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen, they cannot love God whom they have not seen. I don't know how many are you familiar with, it's called the Lord's Prayer. It's found in Matthew 6. And he was teaching quite a bit. And part of that teaching had to do with, this then is how you should pray. And it starts with, hallowed be thy name, and it goes on. But within that prayer, it says, forgive us our debts. Forgive us our sin, in other words, as we forgive our debtors. As we forgive those people who've come against us and said something bad, done something wrong, hurt us in some way, as we forgive them. Forgive us, Father, of our sin, as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Now, he says it once within the prayer, but right after the prayer in in Matthew 6, he re-emphasizes it. Jesus himself says again, please understand something. If you don't forgive the person who has wronged you, I won't forgive you. That's some strong emphasis there. It, it, it's put, it puts a whole lot more importance on the idea of forgiving other people because he's saying very clearly, if I don't forgive, I won't be forgiven. So it is so important to let go. It's so important to not hold on because once we say, I forgive, Guess what? You can't bring it up a week later. 
A month later, a year later, let's be honest, 10 years later, there are some people that have incredible memories, (laughs) right? Listen, we are called to forgive. And it is so much easier to forgive when you understand how much You've been forgiven by God. Think back on your own life. Think about all the wrongs you've done. Think about all the sin that you've been a part of and understand Christ paid for all of it. And when you have asked and confessed, He has forgiven you. Now, if you've been forgiven of all of that, can you not forgive someone else For something they've said? Something they've done? Forgive. Another thing of how to handle conflict. Treat others how you want to be treated. This is what scripture says and we're going to break it down. Ephesians 4.31 says, Stop being mean, bad-tempered and angry, quarreling and harsh words and dislike of others. They should have no place in our lives. So, instead of being mean, be kind and show show respect to people. Ephesians 6, 2 says, Honor thy mother and father. You see, instead of being bad-tempered and angry, be patient. Blessed are the peacemakers, Scripture says, for they will be called children of God. Instead of quarreling and using harsh words, be quick to listen and slow to speak. Scripture says a gentle answer turns away wrath, but... Harsh words stir up anger. Listen to that. Did you hear that? A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stir up anger. So, your spouse, your child, somebody comes at you full force. Hey, you, blah, blah, blah. You know how we first want to respond? We want to be louder. We want to be meaner. We want to be quicker. And God says, Stop. Before you react in that way, shh. Breathe. Breathe. It says a gentle answer turns away wrath. Do you know what happens when you respond? to anger or even hatred or a disagreement and a loud argument, do you know what happens when you respond gently? It just de-escalates the whole thing. As a matter of fact, I almost guarantee you the continents upon the person's face will change if you respond gently. If you respond quietly, if you respond with love 
and patience. And that whole conversation will take on a whole different tone. Scripture says this in James 1.19, everyone should be quick to help me, slow to, and slow to become angry. All right? And instead of disliking others, we need to demonstrate love. Do you notice how we're responding? We're responding by showing respect. We're responding with patience. We're responding with with gentleness. We're responding with love. Do you remember what the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians 5 was? Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. It only comes when you walk in the Spirit, not according to the sinful nature of your flesh and your selfishness. Our goal should be not to be seeking revenge and creating more conflict, but our goal should be peace with others. This is how Romans 12, 18 says it. If it is possible, as far as it depends upon you, and all of it doesn't always depend upon you, it takes another person to respond the right way as well. As far as it depends upon you, live at peace with who? Everyone. You can't control all of that, but you have a lot of say in how you respond, in how you react, in what you do, in the disposition you take, and whether you're being Christ-like or whether you're living in the sinful nature. Last, quickly, be the change. Let's be honest, if we're Christ followers, if it's our responsibility to live at peace with everyone as much as it depends upon us, someone has to take the first step. Someone has to take the first move. Someone has to be the one to change the conflict, moving towards more conflict instead to more peace. And this is how Scripture says to do it. So, when you offer your gift to God at the altar, and you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there at the altar. Go and make peace with that person. Then come back and offer your gift to God. I need you to do me a favor, because chances are you're thinking about some conflict in some way that you've had. And let's be honest, I know what it's like. I had kids. I know what it's like even getting ready on Sunday morning. Okay, I know. I mean, you're, you're in a time crunch. You got to be there at a certain time. There's chaos in the house. The breakfast didn't go as planned. All of a sudden, the child, the baby needs changed. All of a sudden, the three-year-old is throwing a fit. All of a sudden, you go out and there's something wrong with the car. All of a sudden, you're, 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 you're really just at your wit's end and there's all kinds of conflict happening. And the enemy, sometimes I think, just sets it up that way on Sunday morning. Because the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But God has come. Jesus has come that you may have life and life to the fullest. Listen, be the one to say, all right, let's breathe as a family. 
Let's pray. Let's get this thing centered back where it needs to be before we go about the rest of our day. It's even a moment like that that can change the rest of the day and turn conflict into peace. Be the change. Write the letter. Have the conversation. Be willing to start praying differently. It's not God get them back. It's God help me understand how to resolve. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you have so much to say about peace and about how we're to be living our lives, not just in relation with you, but in relation with other people. For Lord, if, 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 if your children, if Christ-like people aren't going to be the ones to bring peace, then who is? God, let us first be seeking your face concerning any conflict, any problems we have with others and be asking, God, what, what should I do? And when we hear Let us be willing to follow. In Jesus' name we pray. And Father, I pray for Mark now this morning as he shares great news about the future of the valley. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you just join me in thanking Alan for that timely and powerful word today. One of the things we do at the valley every single Sunday we gather is we serve or talk about serving because Jesus said I didn't come to be served, they came to serve. We respond, as you just had an opportunity to do, and we celebrate, which we're going to do right now. Uh, this past year has been an amazing year at the Valley. We've had a record number of baptisms, a record number of salvations, um, people coming here, giving, um, healings. I mean, the list goes on. I mean, it's just spirit is just moving in powerful ways. And if you've been here for any period of time, you know that a lot of Sundays, especially last couple months, summer's coming, but last couple months, space has been a big challenge. Uh, and in here's one thing, but in the kids area, it's really a huge challenge. Uh, so the last 18 months, I've been working a lot on trying to find a space. What's that look like? How do we expand? How do we make that affordable? What all, you know, and just praying a lot, researching a lot, having a lot of meetings, that kind of stuff. So I am stoked uh, that this week we uh, solidified that we are going to expand right where we are, right next to us. Uh, The space, yeah, big yay God on that one. Uh, I love this location. Sometimes growth means move and all that. But uh, at the same token, I was like, man, if we can figure out how to do it here, and, and it's God, right? This whole shopping center is filled except the place right next to us. And so we've been in a lot of conversations and negotiations, all that kind of fun stuff. That space, now, so our board on Tuesday night approved the remodel of that. And then a, um, to take a loan out, a little bit of loan, I'll get that in a second, very minimal, to be able to get the money up front to move forward with that as we then backfill. But that space all next door is going to be kids. Uh, it's going to be kids, uh, birth through fifth grade. We're going cur- to keep the classrooms we have for our preschool because last week we had 92 birth through four-year-olds. I didn't say fourth grade, 
four-year-olds, and that includes the volunteers too, but that's a lot of kids, and they need the volunteers. Trust me, you parents, you want the volunteers back there. Uh, that's just, uh, it's awesome. God is just blessed, and we want to continue to be a church that reaches the next generation. So we're 8,220 more feet, square feet, for kids. We also are going to, um, in phase two, if you will, knock out this back wall. It's actually somewhat strategic when we put the stage here, should we ever had to expand, this will be more seating for the auditorium. So we'll just kind of knock that out, move the tech booth back and all that fun stuff. So um, just part of, the, part of the process, if you're a member uh, per our denomination, anytime you have to borrow at all, uh, which I'm just up front, we would look to borrow half a million. Um, that's a membership vote. Uh, and I just put it in perspective, a friend of mine is building on to where they currently are in another part of Ohio. So it's not like it's in New York City or whatever. And they're building on and it's gonna cost them 8.4 million to do that. It's just the cost. Trust me, if, if I could find a place that's 22,000 square feet that we could buy, um, which I've been looking to for for five years and it does not exist in Troy, um, this is just a great opportunity. It, it really is a great opportunity. We actually have been, set, so we have no debt as a church, as the Valley Church, period, like not just Troy, as the Valley Church. I'm not anti-debt because uh, I'd be a hypocrite if I was because I have a mortgage uh, at my own, but we are also believe that this hinders you. So it would be a bridge loan. We're not talking a 10-year, 15, we're, we're talking, I'd like to pay it off in about a year, year and a half. We just need the money up front because if we wait until we had all the cash, there would be a lot of kids who wouldn't get to meet Jesus. I'll just be front, frank, you know. We need to get them in there now as soon as possible. Uh, we'll be, we've been setting money aside the last couple months because we've been running lean and because of your generosity, we've been setting, frankly, 10 grand aside since March as seed money. And hopefully we'll have about you know, a portion of that ready to go. Um, I don't know when uh, the building would be ready. I'm, I'm shooting for January. It's a process. Like the architect started her drawings and everything's, of course, contingent on that vote. And then um, just the process takes a little bit, but um, that's what we're shooting for. If it takes a little longer, so be it. But uh, we're moving on. We're moving forward. Uh, you hear me say all the time that our, our focus is to depopulate hell. Hell's a real place and real people go there. And I firmly believe instead of just catching up to culture and trying to fix everything, let's, let's, let's change the narrative and have them collide with Jesus when they're kids and teenagers. And if we can get more, a higher and higher percentage of kids and teens who know Jesus, that's going, to that's going to transform the culture. That's going to transform society. And I'm just, faith is my top spiritual gift, by the way, so I just believe it's possible. <laughs> I really believe. There's 83, based on our study, 83% of people in a 30-minute radius of here are unchurched, 83%, which probably means if they don't have a church home, likely means that they don't have a relationship with Jesus. And that's a, there's a high percentage of kids and teens that fit into that. So, we're moving on. Uh, our theme is here and now. You'll hear us talk here, here and now. That's a song. Here and there. Okay, it's a good song. To, but here and there. Here and there. Um, in other words, we are going to expand here, as I just said. Uh, but we're also going there. So this expansion project would involve not only the kids' space next door, but we're going to upgrade some technology in here. If you get deeper, we're going to need some side screens and all that kind of stuff online. But then also some seed money to... Um, to, uh, to have for the next campus, that in the next couple years that we would go there. I don't know where there is yet. I have a couple places in mind, but God hasn't totally clarified all that yet. He'll send the right people and leaders, and we'll know when that time comes and where it is. But um, we're not going to just grow here. We're going there. That's part of the vision of the Valley Church, that there's multiple expressions of the Valley Church in all our communities to reach the 83% 
who don't know Jesus so that in five years it would be 77%. And my dream is that someday it could be down close to zero. I, again, I'm just nuts, but why not, okay? Why not? Why not see everyone? Because he said that he wants no one to perish. No one to perish. And I looked it up in the Greek and no one means nobody. Uh, and that all would have eternal life. And so we're just gonna, we're just gonna go that route, okay? And so um, I'm just, I'll keep you posted. I'll share again next week. And if you're a member, you'll get an email and that kind of stuff. But I wanna leave, well, I had the, my kid took my phone, okay? I was gonna, gonna read a passage of scripture, but would you stand with me? <laughs> Classic, I'm serious. She took my phone when I was coming in. It is Ephesians uh, 3.20, try to remember it by heart, but to him who is greater, the power of Jesus Christ that rose Jesus Christ from the grave, the work that he's doing within us, his church, his church and his people be all the honor, be all the glory and be all the praise. Let's give him praise. Let's give him honor. Let's give him glory. And he ends it with saying, amen. And amen literally means, and let it be so. So would you give God a round of applause right now? And let it be so that what he has began he will bring to completion. Be blessed. Go make a difference. Go be the salt and light of this world and the hope of Jesus Christ. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us today. To stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure to subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app to stay connected with all things The Valley. And if today's message impacted you, share it with a friend, because changed lives change lives.